Hello, welcome to Impact Ed. I'm H.D. Chambers with Ailey ISD, and I want to welcome everyone to today's episode. Uh, I have Miss Kelly Sullivan with us today. She coordinates our wellness program for both our kids and our adults across our district. Uh, wellness meaning physical activity, physical wellness, which leads to mental wellness. Today's topic is discussing the relationship between physical activity and student performance in the classroom. I don't think anyone listening to this is, would argue with the fact that typically anyone, no matter what your age is, tends to think more clearly, tends to be probably more alert if they're active, as opposed to be sedentary and sitting in a, in a chair. And for those of us, uh, our memories of school, for the most part, are probably sitting in desks, sitting in chairs, listening to a teacher or working on some worksheet. Kelly and I, uh, as well as some others who will join us uh, shortly, are going to talk about how that's changing in our district. So, Kelly, thank you for joining us today on Impact Ed. Happy to be here. Let's talk real quick about big kind of picture uh, as it relates to just physical motion activity and how that actually translates to the classroom and kind of where did Ailey get started and where did you get started? Well, gosh, this started uh, so long ago, I can barely remember. At least 15 or 20 years ago, I went to a conference and heard Eric Jensen speak yeah. and talk about the brain, and I was fascinated by that. Then I went to hear someone named Gene Blades, who talked about the impact on the brain of specifically physical activity. She came from the perspective of a, a physical education teacher, and as a PE teacher myself, I knew instinctively that movement was good for us, but we didn't have the research back then that we had now. So we, from that, I came back to the district and started just promoting the idea that kids needed to move more. We needed to make sure kids were going to recess, that we should always have that scheduled in the day. We tried to get started with some morning movement, uh, and it was a, a slow process, but We talked about what little research was out there, but truthfully at the time, it was me trying to convince people that the idea was right and good, and we we have come a long way since then. Uh, We had a campus that started morning movement. The principal at another school, her child was at that campus. The child came home and talked about how great it was. That campus started morning movement promoted it, and it became pretty big. But for years, that's what we did. What we're having to overcome is this perception by teachers that physical activity is okay for physical education, but it doesn't really have anything to do with what's happening in the classroom. Exactly. The old notion that uh, the brain and body are separate. Right. Um, it's, it's difficult until you actually see the research and see brains in action to convince people. And at the time, we didn't have that. So it was really convincing people to take a leap of faith that if you spend this amount of time away from that content, but actually moving, that it was going to be good for kids. So slowly, you had a few people that bought in that did it. um, And word of mouth got us a long way on that. But it's when the research started coming out that we we're able to convince more people. And it's still difficult. It's, right. it's still hard for yeah. teachers to take that leap of faith. You're tasked with making sure your kids pass those state tests. And we have to sell them on all of the research that's out there that ties the physical movement and all of that to being ready to to learn. When I first got here, we started talking about Brain Rules, a book written by a neuroscientist from the Northwest up in higher ed, John Medina. 
and I was fascinated. I mean, I believed in wellness, and, I, and I, I've always have, but I never really, on an intellectual level, never really never thought about the correlation between being active, physically active, and how that helps in the classroom. And I think people that are listening to this should understand when they walk into a classroom and they see kids dancing around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dancing around under control. Sometimes they are dancing. <laughs> yeah, they are, or, or moving around, or using controlled movement that it actually is stimulating the brain and they're putting themselves in a better position to be a learner, which is what the way the brain is designed, which is what we learn from, from, from brain rules. It's designed to be active and it's designed yes. to be moving around and it's designed to be solving problems and all those things. Right. When you talk about Dr. Medina, it's one of the first studies that I knew of that was actually, you know, official research from someone who wasn't a PE teacher, who was a neuroscientist, who looked at what was happening in the brain. From my own perspective, I taught a class, a reading class, to kids who had not passed the state test. And when we started some morning clubs, I noticed that kids who came back from those morning clubs were way more ready to learn. They were different children than they were before that. Um, And shortly after that is when Mr. Chambers came in and brought in that research from Dr. Medina. And I'll never forget, at the very first meeting when we met Mr. Chambers, he showed a little excerpt from Brain Rules from Dr. Medina that says, exercise grows brain cell. And that truly was a turning point in our district that it wasn't just me anymore. We had the leader in our district who bought into the idea that kids needed to move. And none of us really knew the extent of the research that was going to come out, but we knew that just getting the kids up and moving was good. So it became a little easier to sell. When the superintendent says something, yes. <laughs> even if it's me. Always you know, helpful. <laughs> sometimes it's helpful or it can be hurtful. I'm excited about it's grown and to the extent that it's grown. And there's there's more and more believers, if you will, that are willing to yes. take those chances. If you walk into a classroom that's actually using you know strategic types of physical movement with, with kids, some teachers from would, would be kind of nervous. Mm-hmm. As a general rule, talk about the reaction to teachers over the last eight or nine years as we've done this. What what have you seen there? Some of it depends on how long people have been teaching. It's it's sometimes a little more difficult for people who have been doing this a long time to change. What we try to do when we do our training is to help people understand because they're afraid of multiple things. They're not just afraid of that they're taking time away from academics. They're afraid that they can't get the kids back under control. They're afraid that it's going to be crazy. So uh, we try to help them with those things. And when you help teachers and show them the data that this is going to help you, we have had great, great success in converting people, as you will. And it's not 100%, but we feel like people, we're walking around the, the campuses and we're seeing more and more of the teaching academics using movement. We're seeing more brain breaks, brain boosters throughout the day. So we know it's growing. And our job is to continue educating teachers about all the different facets of of why it's important. I would argue that a pre-kinder or kindergartner or first grader, they're going to move. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Whether we let them or not. And, And I think that that's part of of the structure. And I think sometimes when you when you ask teachers to give up some of the, quote unquote, the control they mm-hmm. feel like they have in their classroom. Well, on the discipline side, I mean, I know that we've seen some significant data Huge. on student performance. 
What about on, on just behavior side with, with kids? It's huge. And that's truthfully one of the first things that we see that improves. And when you get anecdotal data from teachers, that's one of the things that they talk about is how much calmer kids are. Um, we, we talk to students at Crossroads um, who are able to move throughout the day and they're able to control their their anger uh, better. Kids who are allowed to move more throughout the day get fewer referrals and, and we have that data. One of our main things that we say when we're training is that Kids are going to move just just like we as adults are going yeah, to move. Yeah. So let's make it purposeful and make it something that's going to benefit them throughout the day. When we ask teachers, what are your main you know discipline issues throughout the day? It's getting up when you're not supposed to, talking when you're not supposed to, tapping on the table. Well, they're doing it because it's what their brain needs. Well, I, I remember Dr. Medina, I'm paraphrasing this, but he said the human brain, the adult, talking about an adult, not a kid, an adult can only pay attention to something with any degree of comprehension for about 900 seconds. Right. And that's that's someone who's sitting there listening to a person that's interesting talk about a topic that is interesting. That they care about. That they care about. <laughs> like they really want to be there. And even then, yeah. after about 900 seconds, they just kind of start wandering off. If you imagine what a you know an elementary age student or, or a high school student for that matter, or, or adults, I've sat in front of adults and I've given – thousands and thousands of talks. And I can tell once I get to about 10 or 15 minutes, you know, they're just glazed over no matter mm-hmm. how, how right. interesting it may be. Yeah. It's what we tell our teachers that you can talk at them all day long and you can try to teach them. But if you don't do what the brain needs in order to be ready to learn, the kids aren't absorbing it. So we've we've seen lots and lots and lots of success with people buying into I need them to move, and they're going to be better behaved, and their brain's going to be more ready to learn, ready to listen, ready to concentrate, ready to focus. Have you found there are certain content areas that sometimes benefit from physical activity more than others? In other words, whether it's mathematics. I know we talked a lot about the side of the brain that works mathematical computations. Mm -hmm. Sometimes benefits, if you just got through with a lot of physical activity, go straight to a math class. Right, right. Our personal research has not, um, we don't have that kind of specific data. What we've seen out in the world is that if you take a child's most difficult subject and allow that movement directly before that time frame, they're going to perform better because there's all sorts of things that are happening in the brain when you're allowed to move. So uh, when we, our main focus when we're doing academics, we spend a lot of time finding content with math Mm -hmm. and the language arts. And we've been really, truly trying to work with every content area to bring our academic templates uh, to them and put their content in. So I think it helps no matter what. You're probably right. I mean, if whatever you're struggling in the most, whether it's mathematics or language arts or reading, I know in Ailey we have a lot of initiatives going on around this, a lot. And there's there's one in particular seems to be coming through with great results for both elementary age kids as well as high school kids, and it's, it's called our action-based labs, yes. uh, our action-based learning. So those of you listening, you're going to hear us say ABL a lot. Yeah. So ABL stands for action-based learning. If you hear us call an ABL lab or an action-based lab, it means we actually have a lab in a classroom. And you're going to hear from some experts talk about this uh, here shortly, but Talk just a little about this one strategy. and An action-based learning lab. When we train teachers, we talk about 
movement in general, we have like we call it this kinesthetic pie where it's recess, moving through academics, morning movement. One piece of that is an action-based learning lab, and that's a place where we take kids to go through what we call foundational skills. So in order to describe that a little bit, we have to talk about what the research shows for our uh, pre-K early childhood learners. The brain is actually developed for reading, writing, and math through movement. So from the time you're born, when you're rolling, when you're spinning, when you're crawling, that's that is putting those pathways together in the brain to help you to learn. So crossing the midline. What we're finding these days is that kids are not moving freely as much as they used to. We've taken away a lot of the equipment on playgrounds. We want kids to be safe. We put them in car seats. They're staring at screens. So many of those foundational skills are not in place when they get to us. So we have what we call our action-based learning labs, and those labs are designed to cover those foundational skills. So to get kids rolling, spinning, crossing the midline, eye tracking, Mm -hmm. to get the brain ready to learn. Because what we know is we can still do this all the way through their high school years. If they don't have that brain, and even if it was developed at one point, but they stopped doing all that stuff, the pathways in the brain that you use the most are the ones that are the strongest. So we designed those labs to do learning while moving. So it helps build those foundational skills, and it also helps kids focus and makes the learning more sticky because we can put academics in while they're moving. You know, this idea of things as simple as crawling and mm-hmm. moving around as, as, as an infant through two, three years old. I think those listening, particularly if you're a parent, that's a, a valuable lesson that we think of it as parents. We all When we all had our little ones, we think of crawling as the kind of a rite of passage. That's what happens before they walk. We don't think of it as an actual Building the brain. A building of the brain. Right. We don't think of it that way. And you had mentioned that there are some children that come to us at three or four, you know, three years old, four years old, that doesn't know how to crawl. They kind of army crawl with their their arms. We call it the scary movie crawl because their legs never move. They're dragging them. And that is, according to the research and according to that is a, that will do harm to that child academically. Right. It's a sign that they're not efficiently crossing the midline, which uh, is going to be necessary for them when they learn. Um, and and the the lab is specifically designed to fix that because what we know is if kids come to us and have the foundational skills and some of them don't have the foundational skills, they all start off pretty evenly. The ones who have those foundational skills and their brains are ready to learn, they take off academically. The ones who don't have those Mm -hmm. skills start falling behind. And in our quest to make sure that they're successful, we take them out of recess. We take them out of PE. We try to get those educational skills when what we really need to be doing is working on the physical. Yeah, they need more tutoring and reading. So we pull them out of recess to give them more, Right, which is completely opposite of what... Hey, we're getting better, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am uh, very grateful to you and what your your passion towards this has been because it doesn't happen without someone who believes in it and someone who kind of sticks to it and has the persistency and that you have had. I think our kids are better for it. I think our teachers are better for it. As an educational institution, I think this is a, only going to grow. I think it's going to become something that yes. it's going to be one of our go-to professional development activities is how to get 
more kids active so that it benefits them academically. And we have a huge training program associated with this. Any new teacher that comes into ALEAF has to take 14 hours of this concept of movement and learning. Right. And we give them lots of skills and lots of tools. That has really helped us grow and helped get that buy-in. I think it's something that's good for kids, and it should be something that everybody is doing. Well, it works. It does. It works for me. Right. If I'm a teacher, yeah, me too. If I'm a teacher, I want something that works. Exactly. Well, we're going to bring in three ladies that are actually implementing this and and guiding our campuses. So appreciate you and everything you do for us, Kelly. Certainly. Thanks for having me. You betcha. In a continuation of the discussion that I've been having with Kelly Sullivan, our coordinator for all our wellness programs, uh, we have uh, three ladies who are primarily responsible for kind of delivering the ABL experience that Kelly and I were referring to earlier. And so we're going to have a conversation with these ladies about kind of what that looks like in the classroom and what is their role and then, and then what are they seeing as a, uh, as a as a result of all this effort being put into movement. Before we get on, I want them to introduce themselves and kind of who they are and where they are and what they're doing. So if we'll start over here with you, ma'am. All right. My name is Leslie DeRuder. I service K through 12 schools and also both of our alternative schools. By servicing them, I help them with labs, with professional development on campuses, and also am one of the presenters for professional development at the district. Good. Thank you, Leslie. Appreciate you being here. Hi, I'm Courtney Grass. I am the action-based learning facilitator at Best Elementary. So there I help serve as pre-K through fourth grade teachers and students. And then I am also being sort of borrowed this year to help out at our five campuses that have full-day Pre-K, the pilot program. I work with the with the little little ones. You got the little ones. Yes, plenty of motion in them guys. Exactly. All right. Last but not least, I'm Cheryl Williams. I work um, at ten different elementary campuses and a couple of intermediate schools, um, helping the the lab facilitators run their ABL labs, and then also um, the classroom teachers how they can incorporate. I try to give them ideas on how on the daily they can incorporate activities into their lessons. Obviously, y'all y'all believe in the the whole notion of physical activity in the relationship, right? Definitely. Sure. Yes. Where, where'd that come from? My background is in PE. So okay. um, I drank the Kool-Aid like Kelly did with Jean Boyd's Moyes right. and uh, saw her years ago when I was in Arizona and brought her out and into school there. So I've always felt that physical activity was important. Dr. Rady, John Rady, who wrote the book Spark, mm-hmm. he came out and spoke at a conference where I was president and made a huge impact in, in the district as well. So I've believed it for a long time. <laughs> so y'all have worked with elementary age kids. Is that? that... <laughs> well, I think for me, the first time um, Cheryl and I were able to attend the um, ABL presenter training together. And I feel like what we see a lot is what I felt as I was listening to Jean talk and kind of learn about stuff. And I had a connection like I needed that in when I was younger. You know, as a student, as a yeah, yes, and so I feel like when we do our PDs, we have a lot of teachers that come up and they're like, "I could have used this. I could have used you know these things that you're showing us," and it kind of helps with the buy-in when you yourself could have benefited from it, and especially the elementary kids. I mean, they need it more than anybody, (laughs) especially my pre-K babies. There's some high schoolers who need it too, though. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we there's some adults. There's some adults, there's there's adults, adults that, need that need it. Yes, for as sure. We're as we're all fidgeting in here and moving. Yeah, you're spinning the spinning chairs on back and chairs. forth. <laughs> yeah, if you could just see this, it's an we need ABL, some kinesthetic this furniture is an in ABL here. Lab right now. <laughs> yes. One of the things Kelly and I talked about that I found, I don't know, it, it was it was a con- not a concern, but it was just 
one of these things that you have to overcome in order to turn loose of this tight control that teachers sometimes have. Mm-hmm. As former teachers, did y'all, I mean, sure, how'd you guys work? Absolutely. With that? I'm very type A personality, and I think a lot of um, classroom teachers are the same way yeah. and feel that they have to have order and students sitting up straight and tall, sitting in their chairs in rows. That's exactly what they think that their principal wants to see, perhaps. And we're starting to realize that that's not what a, a productive, active classroom right. looks like. I think releasing some of that control and really realizing, I think Kelly kind of told tells me this quite a bit, it's not about me. It's what's best for kids. And so I have to let go of this perfect looking classroom and say, it's okay if kids are milling about, if they're standing up at their desk, if they're bent over, if they're laying on their stomachs on the floor doing, you know, a a worksheet. I'm okay with that because that's how they learn best. So I think it's when they let go of that kind of control, um, I think they'll see a lot better results and we get the buy-in a lot better. The specific topic of the action-based learning labs, dealing with high school kids and dealing with at crossroads, you know, some kids who who have struggled and uh, sometimes their emotions get the best of them. Talk about how you've used it for for high school age kids. And because I'm going to ask the same thing about elementary. And I think if you're listening to this, you're probably going to hear some very common similarities, right? Right. Uh, With the high school kids, the bottom line was with any kid, you can't talk to them when they're mad. So, but if you get them moving and shift the blood flow in the brain, it's easier easier like, to talk like to them. Literally shift the blood flow. Literally, flow. yes, right. by by exercising and getting them moving. So once we get them moving, then they they learn how to self regulate. I know one little girl at Crossroads. She knows exactly what she needs to do. She went back to her main campus. She can self regulate herself now, which is amazing yeah, <laughs> for some right, of them. Right. But getting them in the brain room in the morning at Crossroads made a huge difference behavior wise, especially in their classes before lunch. Getting them in there again at lunch, and we picked specific kids who we knew needed that movement for various reasons, made a huge difference behavior-wise. They didn't have hardly half as many referrals as they did before. So it made a big difference. And with elementary age children, sometimes they're not really sure how to express their their frustration sure. or anger or control. Has this helped in that, in that regard? Absolutely. And we have some kids who will... Um, And the biggest pushback we get from teachers is kids that come in and they refuse to move or in their classroom, you you want them to, you know, to do some exercises and the kids just stand there with their arms. And we try to steer them away from don't worry about they're going to eventually get there. They're going to eventually, you know, join the group. But I think John Gordon said if they're not going to get on your energy bus, you can leave them at the bus stop because they'll eventually, you know, the bus will come back around. But um, I think that um, in our lab, in in the elementary level, we have um, many of our campuses have three different labs, pre-K, kinder for one group, which concentrates on activities that Kelly was talking about earlier. Then we have a first and second grade lab, and which incorporates even more academics. And then we go to the third and fourth grade labs, which have more of expensive equipment, more the the um, ellipticals, equipment. there you go, the uh, stationary bikes, that kind of thing where the kids can partner with, with somebody and practice their multiplication facts while they're pedaling. Or, and so each 
campus right now, we have about 30 different labs throughout the district in the elementary levels. We try to get them to come in at least twice a week would be ideal. Mm-hmm. But as Kelly mentioned earlier, they some of the teachers feel that they're missing out on their instructional time, but they don't realize what an investment it is. Like just coming in for 20 minutes, when they go back to the classroom, that's like the prime time for the teachers to hit them with some new content, to talk about, to introduce a new concept, right. um, because their brain is like, duh, 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 feed me, right. feed me, feed right. me. So, Courtney, you work with the four-year-olds. I do. <laughs> I do. You make that sound so. <laughs> no. Well, just <laughs> as a district, we've put a lot of emphasis in early childhood and pre-K for good reason. What does this look like if I'm a parent? You know, we're talking about ABL for pre-K. What does this What does this mean? And what does it look like? And maybe describe what what are they doing as a four-year-old versus maybe what they're doing as a third or a fourth grader. Sure. So my background is was a kindergarten teacher here in Aleaf. Um, this will be my 20th year in the district. So about 14 of those were in kindergarten. And so my heart is mainly two places with education. It's going to be the early childhood and now ABL. So I was so excited when Kelly asked if I could help with these pilot programs. What we do mostly in the younger grades is just working on those foundational skills. So it will be, you'll see a lot of rolling, spinning, um, skipping, jumping, hopping. Basically, it looks like play, you know, for them, but it is doing everything that their brain needs before they get those formal skills like reading, writing, math. It just looks like a very fun environment when you go in, mats and hula hoops and bean bags and kids just having fun. A lot of our labs, we incorporate music. And so the students are just having fun. But what they don't know is they're wiring their brain to be ready for those formal skills. Anything that parents can do at home I think the most exciting thing is they don't have to be in school to do any of this. The importance of tummy time, rolling, crawling when they're babies, Mm -hmm. Um, even if they're older than that, just set up like a simple little obstacle course at your house and they can crawl, roll, skip, jump, um, just to kind of see how they're doing. And then we'll kind of see when they get to us and then kind of go from there. We've had the full day pre-K program for the school year, so we're, right. we're at three months, I guess. Yeah. Have you seen benefits so far? or For sure. Yeah, I didn't even think that I would see that we would see things this quickly. But I walk into one of the campuses, and it looks like a kindergarten class in there. Not only are they doing the movements, because they are going daily. Um, a lot of our campuses, like at my home campus at best, they go maybe two or three times a week. But now these pre-K students are going in for 20 minutes, five days a week. So it's sort of like their PE, mm-hmm. but we've layered in academics. And so they are picking up the crawling, all those locomotor skills. They're picking those up a lot faster. But kind of overall behavior, you know, they're sitting, they're listening, their attention span just looks different than a program that is a half day, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you would know. We don't have any data on it no. yet. But. No, but one of one of my elementary schools has all-day pre-K, and she said she could note it. She sees a big difference between her pre-K babies, is what she calls them, and her kindergartners, because her kindergartners haven't had that every day. And she said she could tell a big difference between it going every day and only going twice a week. I think the message here is that, well, obviously the full day, if you're going to keep a four-year-old for the full day, you better have mm-hmm. They're going to have to move. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And the best thing for that child or for the younger students is a little at a time, but more often. 
So we make sure in that schedule they have recess, they have the action-based learning, they're also doing stuff in their classroom. So they're just moving all day because like you said earlier, they're going to move no matter what. Yeah. So yeah. we might as well have them do a structured or get some academic in there as well. Describe for those listening, there may be this perception or as they're visualizing this of just a bunch of movement or kids <laughs> on a treadmill or on an elliptical machine or a stationary bike. But what are they doing while they're doing these things in addition to the physical movement? The third and fourth grade speak starting yeah. with them. They um, some of the labs are set up to where they're doing partner activities. So one student is pedaling on a bicycle while the other one is balancing on a disc right. while they have flashcards, and then they switch places. They do that for like a minute and a half, two minutes. Then they switch places. Other labs we have it set up to where all of the machines are facing in one direction, and the teacher is using the technology to perhaps show a science a STEM. Right. Video, So the kids are pedaling, moving, but at the same time, the teacher is getting a lesson in and then they stay at that station for two minutes and then they rotate to a different station. So there's a couple of different um, ways. First and second grade more is partner activities where uh, or academics, but they are crossing the midline. Like she said, we we've noticed that kids that have a hard time crawling, doing a bilateral crawl Mm -hmm. or skipping. Those are our struggling readers at the beginning of the year. The kids will come in and we have one of our first rotations is the kids are on a mat crawling on their bellies. Um, She talked about the scary movie crawl. um, And we can almost point out with the kids just by watching their physical, some of their physical tasks, those are the kids that are the struggling readers. And the, the good thing is we can work on the physical, to help with the academics. So those are the things that we work on, the the rolling, just putting your hands down by your side and rolling in a straight line. Many of the kids will roll, or they, or they, but they'll roll crooked, so mm-hmm. they have no concept where they are, spatial awareness. Mm-hmm. So we work on concentrating on just moving certain parts of your body so that you can roll in a straight line. And that crosses those paths in the brain and helps them academically. As I was telling Kelly, when you're raising kids, you don't think of these activities as a, yeah. it's just kind of what happens, right? Mm-hmm. But that's unfortunately in, in, in a lot of communities across the state, that's not a given mm-hmm. for some of our little ones. Perhaps what are they doing in high school? You mentioned. So mi- middle school and high school, our um, campus learning communities, our CLCs, all have kinesthetic furniture in there. ALC, which is our K-12 alternative, mm-hmm. and then Crossroads, which is just high school, all have a lab. And so, for example, at Crossroads, our teachers are assigned in a week at a time. So they go in there for a whole week. The kids go around the outside and work getting their heart rate up a little bit. And then there's room for them either to sit on a pedal desk or to stand on a glider desk. And the teacher presents their lesson just like they would in the classroom. It's just in a kinesthetic format. In the other high schools and middle schools, um, there's equipment here and there in the classrooms. But we do a lot of PDs around getting movement in the classroom through their lesson. So incorporating movement with their academic content. Yeah, this would have benefited a lot of a lot of a us. Lot of adults. <laughs> and that's why I think, think the people that do it the most in their classrooms, they were the students that needed it. And so they've made yes. that connection. And, you know, the students don't even know what they're doing. But if you're asking them to do what an academic, but you're moving, they just think it's fun. Yeah. You know, it's the best way to do it. And I had a participant at A-Leaf U a couple of years ago, and she had injured herself as a baby, like as an infant. She could not m- crawl 
Um, I think she had broken a leg, so she had a a, a cast on this poor little baby. I'm just envisioning it, yeah. but she said she for a long time that she was not able to crawl. So she know as an adult, she has no sense of direction. And she thought that the connection, because there's certain milestones that you want to meet. If you skip one of those milestones, it may show up later as a deficit in spatial direction, in geometric shapes. In it, so it, she was like, "Oh my gosh, that's why I have to use Google Maps everywhere to get me out of this building." You know, she said that she has no sense of direction, and she attributed it to that. And I said, "You're our best cheerleader, right there! <laughs> yeah. Yay!" And that's great. What Cheryl said, because I'm thinking about a lot of our families that might be listening, you have um, an infant and we, like Cheryl said, you have those milestones and you'll have some parents that maybe the baby skips the crawling or just crawls for a short amount of time. But those are students that, and we're not saying every student, so Mm -hmm. a lot of times while participants go home and they're going to you know, make their child crawl and roll and stuff. We're like, boot camp. We're like, it's not us. But even if they do go straight to walking, still incorporating some of that crawling somewhere, like I said, play, you know, just having them get those so that they don't have those deficits later. With high school and middle school, even our third and fourth graders, there's equipment that simulates crawling called the Star Walker. So we might not be able to get them on the ground to crawl because <laughs> that's kind of, they, they won't do it. But we get them on the Star Walker and they're moving their arms and legs that simulates crawling. So we still can rewire that brain. Huh. No matter how old they are. Yes. Absolutely. You need to come. Including us. I've seen all out. this, but I'm sitting there thinking about the kid who, for whatever reason, maybe bypassed the crawl and went straight to the walk. Why would I want to crawl? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but like, I, mm-hmm. I can get places faster. Yeah. I mean, well, and you said why. Yeah. That is a big thing with high schoolers. And I think third grade on up is if you can explain why why they're doing it. Tell them, this is why we're doing this. It's helping wire your brain. This is going to help you read the the words on the page, help understand and decode the information coming in. If you can tell them why, you can get them to do anything. Do they buy it? Yes. Mm -hmm. And for the little ones, we just say, oh, exercise grows brain cells. You know, it's (laughs) going to make you smarter, whatever works. You know, they, they love it. But when you can kind of explain it to the older students a little more, they're, it's, they find it interesting. Yeah. And they feel a difference. They don't know why they're feeling different, but they do feel a difference. Well, I think, I mean, I didn't, I never correlated it this way, but I've always exercised early in the morning. And when I don't, when I either oversleep or I don't, I feel terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, it, I mean, it's, it's no, that's no different than what you're describing with getting little ones to, to jump around and move around. and Who even have a shorter attention span. Right. Well, yeah. mine's, mine's pretty short. <laughs> There's lessons in here for adults, not just just for kids. But but I think for the purposes of what you three have been doing, as well as others that have been kind of implementing this over the last several years, I'm hoping that this continues to grow. And for those teachers and principals and other adults who either they may buy into it, they just have a hard time letting go mm-hmm. of that structure you talked about earlier, mm-hmm. that perfect classroom that's been around for the last hundred years. That is an investment. I think you used the word investment. That's an investment in the academic performance of of kids as well as themselves. And that's where some of our modeling, when we go out to schools and present at staff meetings or on staff development days, is that modeling of something that they can do that's specific for their grade level or content so that we can show them how to start and how to finish the activity so they, they can see it 
in action. And I know a lot of times they'll go back there. I say, so what are you going to do? They said that exactly what you just did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that morning movement, you said in, first yeah. thing in the morning for mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. it's the same thing with the kids. If they, right after announcements, let's, you know, get up and play a song for two minutes, yeah. and that kind of sets the tone for the day. And then maybe even they come back in the afternoon, after lunch, when they're kind of, hmm, yep. and do the same thing. I mean, start small, but then we'll help you build on that. Yeah, I've been caught in elementary schools before to do the morning dance and I've got to be dancing. <laughs> you have to dance. Got, yeah, yeah, everybody's dancing. Yeah. You, you have to participate. You have to. Yeah, yeah, you have to. Where do you see this going from y'all's perspective? What, I mean, I know you want to grow it and you and there's money and all that and we'll pretend money's not an object right now, but as as practitioners in this, where do you want to see it go? I I think I'd like to see it just at more campuses. Uh, um I think when Kelly put it out there, she had principals contacting her. And that's kind of the method that we go. As far as the labs go, it's all about space, you know, but there's so many things that you can do that don't require a lab. And that's where we hit the classroom teachers during staff developments and that kind of thing. So I think for me, I'd like to see instead of me, I'm, you know, I'd like to get into 20 of our campuses, at least 20 (laughs) of our campuses, just growing as we get out there and, and hire more of us. Right. I think support for the teachers is huge as well. I know seeing us on their campuses and knowing that we're there to support and help them, mm-hmm. but still having 17 campuses is a lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Um, it's hard to get to all yep. of them. But yep. I think seeing ABL in all these classrooms would be huge. One thing I know Courtney just started, so I'm kind of throwing her under the bus. That's kind of what we do at high school, too, is kinesthetic corners. So so that kids have a, an out if they're feeling fidgety that they have something that they could do. Do you want to talk for a second about how you guys implemented that? Yeah. At best this year, we bought, I think it's six different rotations of equipment. And so it's small equipment that can physically fit in a corner or just a designated spot in the room. And it's stuff like balance discs. Um, we have boomer boards. I'm just juggling scarves, beanbags. So just different kind of things. What I've done is made some kind of template activities to go with it. Like if you have the juggling scarves, have them spell their spelling words while they're, you know, throwing the scarves and catching them. Or for the fourth graders, they actually enjoyed learning how to juggle, which that's an amazing skill for our brain because we're crossing all sorts of midlines and coordination. And I'm not the best at it, but the kids (laughs) sure like watching me try. But then every month it rotates grade level to grade level. So every month they're getting new equipment, but the teachers can put up whatever anchor charts they want. They can even do an assignment. We know they have to do some review for STAR and DCA. That's a great place for them to do it. Or like Leslie said, it's also open at any moment for a student to just kind of take a little break over in that corner and kind of maybe balance on the disc a little bit and come back and join the class when they, you know, feel ready for it. The key with those is just making sure that they understand that, you know, why and if they are starting to feel fidgety instead of yelling at them or having to constantly redirect, give them an out. Go bounce on the boomer board for a few minutes. When you feel you're set, come back and have a seat. And raising the child's awareness level that they need that. Yeah, that I yeah. can I can take myself out of this situation and I'm balancing on this board, but I'm also listening to what the teacher's saying. I'm not sitting crisscross applesauce with my hands in my lap, but I'm getting the same information. But guess who's going to remember it more? The kid that's standing on the spooner board or the kid yeah. that's standing on the boomer board rather than the one that's sitting. Well, it's like board. Leslie said earlier, teaching these kids to kind of regulate or mm-hmm. self-regulate their own behaviors. My Lord, it'd be 
nice to have every adult be able to. We don't have a budget big enough for that many boomer boards. I need a a boomer board. Uh, We'll get you one. So going through a lot, what is it that you want to make sure that the folks who listen to this here that we have not covered? I mean, is there something that you feel is important? Because I'm hoping that uh, that families somehow gets into the families. Uh, obviously, I, I want educators, our teachers, uh, because I'm, we're going to continue pushing this at some point. It may not be, it may be long after I'm gone, but at some point, I want every kid being physically moving. I want them up and moving as it relates to their academic performance. So what, what are we missing? I think for me, since um, I'm the early childhood kind of aspect, is just that importance of families doing, you know, playing at home. And it's really not that hard, but getting up and playing with your students, getting them active, getting them moving, whatever age they are, it's going to benefit their brain. It's going to benefit them once they get into school. And then the thought of us going to full day pre-K all the time is very exciting to me, just seeing where these students are going right now at these five campuses, just seeing the kindergartners next year. I'm excited to kind of look at where the students now that are in the pilot where they're going to be next year. So just the importance of moving and you're never too young, never too old to uh, benefit your brain. I think as a parent, it's it's more than just play. It's Absolutely. the best homework there is. It's yeah. just move right. with your get, kids, play. And get them out from away from, from a video from game screen. or a screen. Absolutely. Yes. And I think for teachers, it starts small. If there's all of the educators that are out there, start by that morning movement, possibly the afternoon movement, and then um, start thinking about how you can incorporated into your lessons. It's not about reinventing the wheel. It's just more adding, you know, making it, enhancing your lessons um, rather than sitting crisscross episodes, hands in your lap. Yeah. And and (laughs) for the older kids, too, I think part of it is, again, not recreating the wheel, but coming up with these activities and sharing it across schools Mm -hmm. so that there, there becomes a professional library of, say, ABL science activities and ABL social studies so that mm-hmm. people aren't having to recreate the wheel because I think that's where we hit a block sometimes. And so that if we could get everybody to share stuff more often, I think we'll, we're better off. And I think something that's good, just to piggyback on that, is that we do A-Leaf U. We are on year one and year two. So we really have a great opportunity to get teachers new to A-Leaf mm-hmm. and new to teaching. But I think we're kind of focusing more now on those teachers who have been teaching for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. (laughs) We're trying to get them to come and see because all our first year, second year teachers, they are so energetic and so excited about it. So we need to just kind of get everyone that's been teaching on board with us and see that it can be done. Okay, veterans, you heard this. (laughs) <laughs> look, look, check out the PD check stuff out, coming yeah, that's out. Right. Yeah. Get, get get moving. Well, Leslie, Courtney, Cheryl, thank you very much for not only for just doing this, but for what you're doing to advance movement, which obviously helps helps everyone, helps our kids. Absolutely. And so it's uh, it's greatly appreciated. So thank you guys for participating today. Thank you thank for you all you do. Absolutely. You and bet. thank you for supporting the ABL program for sure. You bet. You bet. I believe in it. So uh <laughs> This has been Impact Ed. I'm H.D. Chambers. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Take care and see you around. This has been an AMP production.